wise man once said, a noble spirit embiggens the smallest man. Ooh, is that Confucius? Uh, no, that would be Jebediah <laughs> Springfield, my friend. <laughs> uh, I should have known it was The Simpsons. Oh, come on. It's always The Simpsons. I mean, right. at least yeah. right now. I'm on a, I'm on a big time Simpsons kick. But uh, this isn't The Simpsons and discussing The Simpsons. This is Guarding the Corner. I am James Mastrucci. That was Brian Fraley. And we're here to talk about some Guardians baseball. But before we get into it, let's start off with... Uh, just a reminder to like, comment, share, subscribe, rate five stars, tell your friends and family. If you don't, it's stealing. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google, Podchaser, TuneIn, and ThisIsBelieveLand.com. Do all of the things. Do all of the things. And now let's let's start off with uh, this little West Coast road trip, this little jaunt they took over to uh, to the games that get played when I'm ready to go to bed. Uh, uh, yeah, those 10 o'clock starts are brutal. I, I, I hate them, but good news, they don't have to go back to Colorado or Los Angeles for the rest of the season. So Yeah, that's great news. Yeah. So, you know, they go to Colorado. They, they take care of business. Apparently it was Brian Shaw um, a revenge tour because he, he pitched in all three games. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He did pitch in all three games. Um, he, he racked up two wins at, at Coors Field along the way. Good for Brian Shaw. Of all the people to get two wins in one series, it's Brian Shaw. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the dude just, all he does is eat innings. He's a professional inning eater. Uh, yeah, he, he is. Uh, you know, And you know he got two wins uh, in Colorado. Class A got three straight saves in Colorado. Four straight if you date that back to the uh, end of the Oakland series. Yeah, he's been great. Been been fantastic. But let's let's talk about this this series in Colorado first before we get to the uh, get to the Dodgers series because that's sure. you know the more recent thing. What what were your major takeaways from here? Because for you know Colorado can be a tricky place to play in. You know we saw Brian Shaw pitch there for a minute and he did not have a good time as do most pitchers. Uh, whenever there is a good pitcher in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, you're just like, that guy must have, uh, you know, uh, an ERA that's actually be- like a, at least a run better than what his actual ERA is because, yeah. you know, he's pitching in Colorado. Yeah, I mean, pitching in Colorado is not easy. It's definitely a hitter's park. Um, the over-unders on, like, games in Colorado are outrageous. They're, like, two, three runs higher than most of the rest <laughs> of the league average. So you're always expecting a lot of runs when you go into a series like that. Um, and and I, I'd say pitching was the highlight for me because the, the most we gave up was the five runs in game two. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and when you're going to Colorado, you got to kind of expect to give up three to five runs, like for sure, almost. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I thought that if, if we could just contain them to that number um, and, and let the offense carry us, because with the way that we hit, Colorado is a great ballpark for us to hit in. Mm-hmm. Um, so things went kind of as expected here. Um this is a series you, you want to see the Guardians win because they are the better team. Um, but it's always tough going on the road, especially in a different time zone and all that. So um, just, I mean, not many negatives from this series whatsoever. Uh, just awesome to see the pitching. Uh, Brian Shaw getting two wins is great. And then Class A just being lights out uh, is phenomenal as well because he, you know, he did just sign the big deal. So um, it's great to see him performing. Yeah, it is. I mean, we we had a, a good outing, pretty much across the 
board for our pitchers. If, if you want to get like super, super nitpicky, uh, Nick Sandlin wasn't great, but I mean, he, he didn't give up the lead. Um, right, right. Uh, you know, Brian Shaw had his moments where he wasn't great. I mean, he, he had the one game where he made an appearance and uh, didn't record an out and allowed a run right. on two hits and a walk. But yeah, there were moments. There were moments where we didn't look good. But that you know, this is what good teams do: is they they overcome those moments. And uh, like you said, that it, it was never enough to give up the lead. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what's crucial, um, especially for bullpen guys that are coming in in a ballpark like you know Coors Field. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that's really all you can expect from guys is just hold the lead, hold the lead. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of that was done, you know, with the exception of. You know, like you said, Sandlin had the real bad outing. Um, it, it was pretty good the, across the board the rest of the way. It, it was. I mean, you know, the the most runs given up, uh, you know, I guess earned runs given up were by Bieber in the first game of the series, and that was three runs over six and two-thirds innings. But, I mean, it, it, it did matter, and, and it didn't matter at the same time, I guess, because they ended up winning – in the tenth, thanks to uh, Jose Ramirez, right as usual. <laughs> as usual, Jose Ramirez doing Jose Ramirez things, but that's just hey, guess what? Uh, that's just expected. Yeah, it's definitely to be expected. Um, yeah, Bieber wasn't like MVP form Bieber by any means, but mm-hmm. you know when you only give up three runs, that's that you know that's enough to give your team a good chance at winning the ball or winning the game mm-hmm. um and, and that's what you do when you when you have a guy like Jose Ramirez on your team like as a starting pitcher you know like if I could just keep this thing close and give those guys a chance late in the game you know they're going to do what they need to do to put us over the top and win um so it, that was good to see you know it's good to see us get a W on a night when Shane isn't you know his best Mm-hmm. And, and you know this was the only uh, series that or game of the series that Ramirez uh, drove in a run. He he did have four hits in game two, and he did go one for four in game three. Which uh, interesting fact: the game three of this Colorado series was the first game this season, I believe, that Jose struck out more than once. Oh wow, that's incredible. That doesn't surprise me because I know that lump, that number's been very low. Uh, but that's that's an incredible feat. You know we're shoot how far 59 games into the season yeah uh, I'm, I'm i'm verifying i saw that yep that was the first game he struck out more than once yeah that's incredible that's insane um, yeah absolutely it. yeah it really is insane uh and it, the thing he's you know kind of known for this season has been driving in runs so in a series where he was quiet in that department uh it's good to see him you know step up in other areas yeah i mean jose was still you know a presence in game two did go four for five you know, the, mm-hmm. but everyone else was able to, to step up. I mean, you know, uh, you know, Oscar Mercado, Ahmed Rosario. Ahmed Rosario had himself a very nice game in game two, by the way, of this series. Three yeah. for five, four runs scored. Yeah, tremendous. Uh, as soon as I opened my mouth about Rosario on the last podcast, he's really <laughs> kind of sprang into form. Um, uh, I know the number before last night's game. He didn't have a great game last night. Um, but the number was 359 on the month of June, which mm-hmm. is very impressive for Ahmed Rosario. Uh, so yeah, he's he's been very good this month. Um, game two, he shined uh, three hits and and like you said, scored four runs, which is just awesome. You know, that's what you get on base to do is score runs. Um, so you know, he's he's been really stepping up and 
and actually producing offense in that two spot, which is good to see. Yeah, having offense in that two spot is huge. Uh, you know, we've seen Miles Straw struggle mightily for for mm-hmm. a minute. Uh, it did look look like he came back to life briefly yesterday, but yeah. Um, you know, we'll see how long it lasts. Uh, yeah, again, yeah, because you know, a couple zero for fives in there. Then you know, going into the Dodgers series, he also struggled at the top of the order there as well. So we'll, yeah. we'll see. You know, for him, to be fair, he's looked kind of lost this entire season. Uh, he has um, not not the guy that we you know brought him here to be. Um, uh, I definitely think that the good news with Miles Straw is I feel like it can only go up from here. Uh, if that makes sense, I feel like this is his floor. Um, so hopefully, you know, he continues to improve after last night's performance, but yeah, he has not been good at the top of the order. No, he, he hasn't. And that really, you know, stinks for guys like, you know, Jose and, you know, when you have, you know, strong, when Rosario's not right and Jose's coming up two outs, top of the first or bottom of the right. first every time, it's just like, well, shit. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a position you want to put Jose in to come up with the bases empty and two outs every time to start a game. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was kind of the story for quite a while this season. Um, we had the, the moment in the sun for Stephen Kwan where he was on base every time he came up to the plate. Mm-hmm. Um, but once he cooled off, it really kind of shined a light on how little production we were getting from Miles Straw. It, it did. And, you know, but it, I, I think things will turn around for Miles Straw. I mean, uh, again, you know, playing unfamiliar opponents, playing in a different time zone, it can be weird, especially for guys who are not the most prolific hitters. Right. Like, e- even if Miles Straw is not hitting, I don't think they're going to take him out of the lineup because he's still a plus defender. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. So when when we look at it from that perspective, uh, and we've mentioned this before, perhaps the nine hole is the spot for Straw. It might you know? be. Yeah. It might be in the future. Kind of um, is that that second leadoff guy that I mentioned previously, but I mean I think that that right. might be the white the right way to go. Yeah, and I mean you you mentioned that you know he does things defensively at a, a plus level for a center fielder, and that's super important in a ballpark like Colorado's. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and when you have to cover that much ground in center field, um, it, that's really got to be the focus of your night going into the game. It's like okay, I really need to play my position well. Um, and he really did that this series. So it, even though he didn't really produce offensively, mm-hmm. um, he did show where his value lies with this team because he does cover a lot of ground out there. And, there, yes. you know, there there were some balls hitting the gaps that he chased down that you're like, okay, you know what? It's good that he's still out there and, and that, you know, they are having him play through his struggles because he is still very, very good in the outfield. Mm-hmm. He, he is. Uh, and by the way, speaking of defensive uh, web gems, Stephen Kwan, Oh God, yeah, maybe the catch of the year. Incredible, incredible Absolutely play, incredible from yeah. Quan. And I, I don't know why, but it looks like Quan wears like a 19-inch glove. I've never seen an outfield glove that looks as massive <laughs> as his. I don't know if it's he's got like small hands or something, but God, that that glove looks huge. I mean, when I uh, used to play outfield, I did play with a large glove, but yeah, yeah, that, that was only just to get you know get fly balls that I had no business getting to just get that extra little bit of length would give me a little bit more range I could cover. Well, that's the thing is he needed every single inch of that mitt to catch that ball too. So it, whatever size he's wearing, I, I hope he keeps it because that, that was just an incredible play from him. Mm-hmm. Um, and and we, I love to see that from Quan because like the, the story of his season has been what he's done at the plate and what mm-hmm. he's done on the base pass and, you know, producing offensively. But if he can be a plus defender in the outfield for us too, like mm-hmm. that's, 
we're slowly turning into a, a good defensive outfield. Yeah, we are. I mean, you know, for considering how many, uh, you know, defensive gaffes we've seen in the outfield for the better part of 15 years, this yeah. is a, this is a nice a nice improvement. Yeah, it's a good change of pace. You, you um, know, we're we're a long talked... ways away from Grady Sizemore. <laughs> oh yeah, it's been <laughs> we're a long way from there, my friend. But um, yeah, we we've kind of highlighted the lack of power coming from the outfielders mm-hmm. this season. Um, but defensively, you know, they've they've done a really really nice job this year, especially at the beginning of the year when we had guys like Rosario and left field just making a mess of things, and you had Fran Mill out there for a while, and it was like, oh god, this outfield is going to be a liability. Um, but it's been the opposite of that since. You know, it seems like they finally got guys playing in the right positions, and uh, they're they're looking good out there defensively. So that's good to see. Yeah, it, it is, and you know, with the offensively with the way this team's constructed uh it's not the worst thing in the world for them to have more contact than power guys yeah power guys would be great you know Mm -hmm. framiel is hurt right now he should be returning soon there are some other guys in the system coming along the way that do have pop in their bat that aren't going to be primarily singles hitters but for now with the guys that they have up here being just this kind of just let's just keep this whole thing going type of thing, it, yeah. it, it's it's working for right, for right now. I mean, yeah, you're going to want more pop. You're going to want some more power at some point. But when some of these other kind of bottom-end guys on the roster get shuffled out or if they ever end up, let's say, trading Ahmed Rosario at some point, right, um, right. it's going to open up more spots for everybody else. Yeah, absolutely. And it's important to remember how young this team is, too. Uh, so any kind of stability and the lineup and defensively as well uh, is going to be helpful for a young team long term. Um, but, yeah, it, it's the approach is working. And when you have the youngest team in Major League Baseball and you're doing something that's working, like, do <laughs> not mess with it. You know, you it, stick with what's working for now. If at some point, you know, it, we run into a wall with it, then sure. But for right now, it's working, so absolutely stick to the game plan. Um, keep the same approach that we've had because it's leading to success uh, on tough road trips even against you know really good teams as we get into that Dodgers series later. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, just looking at the roster, I think there's a good mix of, of guys that have good contact ability, some guys that do have power in, the, in, you know, in their profile, the ability to drive the ball. And, mm-hmm. you know, <clears throat> when, when Reyes is here, one guy who's pretty much all or nothing, but I think that's pretty much what he's going to be. Yeah, he has to be that. I, I, <laughs> that's, I, do, that's... I think it's complimentary. Yeah, I honestly, agree. I mean, <clears throat> there's a, there's a very distinct difference between an offense that can just continue to turn over a lineup versus one where, you know, every you know they have five guys that strike out two hundred times. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, you you want to have a guy behind Ramirez too, who is a power threat. And even when Fran Mill looks kind of lost in the box, like you still look at Fran Mill and you're like, okay, this guy has serious power. He's always a threat to go deep. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so having him as, like you said, just a complimentary player, uh, he's okay. You know, he, he's mm-hmm. not going to be an MVP. He's not going to lead the league offensively in any DH categories by any means. But uh, as a complimentary player, getting him back, it, it, it'll work fine. It will, and I, I think ultimately Reyes is probably going to end up being a, a player, you know, similar to like uh, a Jorge Soler, honestly, where he'll hit a fuck ton of home runs, but he's going to bat mm-hmm. like two ten. Yeah, and he's going to whiff a lot. 
Yeah. I mean, um, it, those are fine. I mean, yeah. I mean, Jorge Soler, you know, was a crucial part of the Braves winning the World Series last year. Okay? Yeah, 100%. So, you know, uh, Jock Peterson's another guy that comes to mind, um, you know, yeah. who's, who's mostly been that for his career. I do know that he's doing a little bit better this year with the uh, with the Giants um, in regards to being a more complete, rounded-out hitter. But right. he's... For the most majority of his career, that's what he's been. I mean, look at Joey Gallo. Joey Gallo is the same way too. Yeah, hundred percent. Just, I mean, I don't know why I'm singling out one Yankee player. Just the the Yankees are yeah, that. The, the Yankees are that. That's for sure. When yeah. you have the luxury of that many guys like that, you can kind of get away with it. But mm-hmm. you know, it's good to have one of those guys on your team. Uh, every team needs a guy like that, and I think that Fran Mill could be that guy for us. So, yeah, getting him healthy and getting him back um, is going to be good for the team. Mm-hmm. Now, <clears throat> let's uh, let's wrap up this Rocky series real quick. Uh, we we wanted two out of three. We got we got a sweep. So yep, great, Spoiled. right? Yeah. So you know, it's a fantastic little run there. They they came in to the Dodger series winners of four straight, winners of mm-hmm. five straight series coming into LA, which is awesome. Which incredible as the series winning streak continues. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the blueprint for postseason baseball. Is it just win your series? If you win every series, you're a playoff team. Uh, win yeah. every series or split a four gamer. Yeah, exactly. Win every three gamer and split every four gamer, and you're in the postseason. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I have absolutely no problem with taking two or three. Getting three or three against Colorado was tremendous. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think having that mindset going into series like this of okay, let's just win the series is a good approach. Mm-hmm. It is, and you know, and that's the approach. You know, they they took it and they continued into uh, into L.A. As you know, Game One of this Dodger series was kind of a little bit reminiscent of Game One of the Rocky series, as they both had to go to extra innings. Uh yeah. The, this game was a we had to scratch for every little bit of offense this game, um, and the you know the Dodgers kind of did too. So mm-hmm. uh, it it was one of those games where it was just like a. Yeah, it, it felt like it was going to go into extras the whole game to me. I, I, I what, It's hard to predict when a game is going to go to extras, but I don't know. It was like a, the fifth inning, I'm like, yeah, this game is not going to end in nine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's really what it felt like. I mean, uh, the the big uh, interesting takeaway I have here is that the fact that uh, Zach Plesak was essentially able to match Clayton Kershaw in this game. God, it's so weird to hear you say that, but when you look at when you look at the box score, <laughs> uh, he did just that. Zach Plesac, uh, of all people, hung with Clayton Kershaw, um, and he didn't ultimately get the W in this game. That did go to goes, um, but to to do what he did against one of the best pitchers ever, you know, mm-hmm. uh, is is really really impressive and unexpected. I'll say that. Uh, I, this was the game that I had circled that was like, oh boy, this could be the one that we lose if we're going to win this series. Uh, you know, it, it's going to be a tough one to win. So mm-hmm. winning winning game one on the road is always huge in any series. Uh, but to do it against Clayton Kershaw with a guy like Plesak, who you're not expecting uh, to hang with him, um, it was very, very impressive. Yeah, and for, for what it's worth, we caught the Dodgers at the right time, okay? That's fair. Because you look at their lineup, and there's one very obvious name omitted from their lineup, and that's Mookie Betts. Right. Okay. And, you know, 
I don't know what the hell happened to Cody Bellinger, but I, I don't know who this you know imposter is in the Dodgers lineup. Um, <coughs> yeah, he he doesn't look like himself at all. He doesn't, and and so you know you look at some of these guys in the Dodgers lineup. It's like, yeah, they have some star players. You know, Trey Turner, Fre- Freddie Freeman, Will Smith. You know, uh, Justin Turner. Then you have a lot of these other guys, just like Man. really. Chris Taylor, yeah. Uh, yeah. Hanser, Alberto getting two at-bats. Mm-hmm. I think we're starting to see what separates a team like the Dodgers and a team like the Yankees, uh, for example. Like the, mm-hmm. This team has some very glaring weaknesses on it. Um, mm-hmm. They are not infallible. Uh, you know, going into this season, I, I'd say they're a majority favorite you know, to win mm-hmm. the World Series this year. I think that's fair to say. Yeah. Um, and by this time in the season, I think they've shown that they're definitely very human, very uh, beatable team. They are. I mean, uh, I, I know I know, batting averages and everything, it's more about slugging. And, you know, in slugging, I'm just, you know, the Dodgers, you know, for some of their guys, you know, you compare the two between the Guardians lineup and the, and the Dodgers lineup, they hold an advantage, and, and, and rightfully yeah. so. But... You know, you see, uh, you know, Max Muncy batting 153, Justin Turner 206, uh, Bellinger 211. Yeah. Then you, you look over to the, you know, the Guardians side of the thing, you're seeing guys hitting 50 to like 100 points higher than some of the guys that are in their lineup on a regular basis. Yeah, that's pretty incredible. When you when you look at it that way, it mm-hmm. really is kind of incredible. But yeah, we have some names on our roster that are outperforming. Uh, guys who are, you know, MVP caliber players at the beginning of the year. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're certainly not playing like that now. Um, But going into the season, those are all guys that, you know, people had circled like, okay, these guys are going to, you know, be a threat. And uh, a lot of them have underperformed massively. Yeah, Justin Turner, 206, and and Bellinger, 211. That's your, you know, your five and your six hitter right in the middle of your lineup. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's just not good. So, yeah, this was uh, the right. Right time to go to LA because the one thing they have been good at is winning at home. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was the one thing that had me concerned. Is you know it's still it's still LA in LA, so still a tough place to play. But you're absolutely right. It it was a good time to uh, make the trip out there. Yeah, it was, and you know it was a you know they caught them at the right time. Again, if if Betts in this is in their lineup, you know completely different game, completely different outcome. He is their home run leader, I believe. And, and so not yeah. having that guy in their lineup, huge, huge factor that <clears throat> played uh, into the Guardians' favor um, for the entire series. Absolutely. But uh, yeah, absolutely. Especially for a guy like uh, Plesac, who's not going to strike anybody out. You know what I mean? Like when you got guys that are power hitters, and you have a guy like Plesac who you know is going to let him hit the ball and play. Um, yeah, a guy like Betts could have changed the outcome of that game for sure. So uh, good timing. Um, for sure, and opportune, uh, opportune moment for act to step up and, and have a good game. Mm-hmm. And you know, let's just kind of, I guess, go into to game two right now. Um, the the Guardians had zero chance of winning this game. Yeah, ever. That, okay, that's um, fair. The, it, even before the game started, the Guardians already lost. Okay, and here's why. They unveiled Sandy Koufax's statue for the game. <laughs> you, Dodgers aren't going to lose when they when they you know unveil the Sandy Koufax statue. I'm sorry, it's not going to happen. No, 
You're absolutely right. And then, you know, hearing that Jose Ramirez is going to get some rest, uh, that pretty much was the final nail in the coffin. Uh, yeah, it, it was, thank God we won game one um, because this game is doesn't look like a very winnable game at all. And we got we got it handed to us in this game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they managed just two hits. Uh, one from Oscar Gonzalez, one from Ahmed Rosario. Everybody else went over. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rosario walked, Owen Miller walked, but... This was a game which was like, okay, you see some of the guys in line. It's like, okay, Ernie Clement starting at third, uh, Oscar Gonzalez hitting cleanup, Oscar Mercado hitting fifth. I'm like, okay. Um, yeah, the, it, what, what we did in this game is the equivalent of like when, when you tee off on the golf course and a professional golfer hits it short of the ladies' tees, like doesn't <laughs> get it past the red tees. Yeah. Uh, because we had more errors in this game than we had runs across the plate. That's rough. Um, that that is a dick out moment for the Cleveland Guardians. It is a it is a pants down, embarrassing game. Uh, yeah, like you said, this was a game I didn't have much confidence going into, but uh, it, it it went just about as bad as it could have. Yeah, the the Dodgers had a, had a hit parade from pretty much start to finish. Every starter in their lineup had at least a hit, minus Austin Barnes, who I completely forgot was still on the Dodgers. Um, yeah, I, he's hitting 191 as a backup catcher. So and somehow yeah, still a, better than Austin Hedges. Um, yeah, which is quite <laughs> remarkable. <laughs> I mean, what what's helping him? I uh, Barnes, I guess, is he still has an OBP over 300 uh, as which a backup nice. catcher. Yeah, and yeah. So you take that. Yeah, he's slugging near 400 too, which is nice. So uh, he- Hedgy is slugging a uh, uh, whomping 267 on the season. So yeah. Not yeah. good. Uh, no, it's insane. I'm just I'm I'm looking at the the Dodgers uh, numbers here. Uh, Austin Barnes is a better OPS than Cody Bellinger. Wow, that's shocking. Uh, Austin Barnes, uh, what is this? That's seven oh six. Bellinger six eighty six. God. After damn. this game, that's alarming for a guy like Bellinger. That is because Austin yeah. Barnes is a part time player. Period. Yeah, part-time <laughs> player. Part-time player. Period. Uh, it, it could be a future bullpen catcher. Uh, not, not a guy who you look at as a threat. So yeah, when you're Cody Bellinger and you've got players like him that are outperforming you, um, not good. You know, it might be a time to uh, go back into the lab and you know work on his swing a little bit or something because whatever he's doing is just not working this year. Yeah, and, and that being said, Cody Bellinger did go two for five in this game. But yeah. Right. <laughs> Right, he did have a good game, um, but the point remains: on the season, yeah. he has not been uh, as advertised. No, but uh, for the Guardians' perspective in this game, uh, looking at the the pitching, uh, Cal Quantrill did not have a good outing. Five runs allowed, um, ten hits, four strikeouts in five innings. Uh, Anthony Castro did not have much better uh, outcome: three no. walks and a hit in two thirds of an inning. He looked awful. Yeah, Anthony Ghost, two-thirds of an inning, a walk. Nick Sandlin, a walk, two strikeouts, two-thirds of an inning. Sam Hentges, a strikeout in an inning. And they got, you know, uh, <laughs> they got pretty much nothing uh, against no, the no. Dodgers pitchers. Yeah, I will say this, though. The bullpen had a much better day than Quantrill did. Um, they did. Yeah, but uh, still not great. <laughs> still yeah. not great. A lot of walks, very, you know, very few strikeouts, uh, a lot of hits. Um, 
yeah, yeah, anytime you get 10 hits off the starter in five innings, that's not good. <laughs> um, so, yeah, this was just a, a bad game all around, one that they were very, very happy to close the book on and put behind them. Yes, very, very happy to close the book on this one, as uh, I am about to close the book on that game right now. So the series finale, still no Jose in the lineup for the Dodgers, not the Dodgers, for the Guardians against mm-hmm. the Dodgers. But that didn't matter, uh, as, you know, uh, Jose was quite the uh, catalyst on the bench when not when him playing. Yes. Yeah, I mean, he was so loud on the bench, you could you could hear Jose in Spanish during the broadcast yelling to his teammates. Like, yeah, he, he was the catalyst off the bench. That's a very good word to describe him um, in a game that he didn't appear in the lineup. No, you just you, they kept doing the uh, the split screen with Jose and, and the game going on because Jose was just so he was so involved in the game. Yes, and but by the way, bravo to the broadcast for doing that because mm-hmm. that that that's the kind of thing you want to highlight in baseball. Mm-hmm. And, and Jose Ramirez, like I know we're we're in Cleveland, so we're spoiled, but like he he's kind of the best kept secret in the major leagues, mm-hmm. is he not? You know what I mean? Like he's he's not. I wouldn't call him a household name for like the average fan. Uh, for baseball fans, absolutely, every, every real baseball guy knows that Jose's a beast. But to, you know, he's not a household name. I wouldn't expect a a thirteen year old kid in Minneapolis to know who he is. Mm-hmm. Maybe because he's in the division, but yeah, may, maybe. But uh, uh, Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Let's go with Milwaukee. Yeah, there you go. That's a much better example. Um, but yeah, so to to highlight a guy like him in a game that he's not appearing in mm-hmm. was very, very good, very smart. Um, because he is a, I mean, he's a firecracker on and off the field. Like he's a guy that needs to be spotlighted more. Yes. And this exact game and this exact moment as this game, uh, progressed is the exact reason I chose the Simpsons quote I did to begin this episode. Now, Jose is not the largest individual. He's five foot nine on a good day. Okay. Fair. Yep. Okay. Um, his spirit was definitely felt by every single person in this game. Oh, 100%. 100%. And, and it, let's not be fools here either. Jose wanted to get into this game so bad. Oh, like, he, it, he was moments he, away. <laughs> he was moments away at several times to get into the game. And luckily, you know, the guys who were up, you know, delivered. So he didn't mm-hmm. have to. Mm-hmm. Um, that was huge because, yeah, he, he wanted to get into this game so desperately. Um, that's really good to see. You know, you you got to give a guy like Jose a break because he will not give it to himself. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, it, it was it was a really good, really good. Just they they strung together at bats very well. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you up know, and down the lineup. So it, it was it was a, it was very 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 good to see this team be able to do that because you know you know Oscar Gonzalez gets walked, then it's you know Josh Naylor with the double. Which forces them to walk Stephen Kwan, right. which one out bases loaded up comes Andres Jimenez. I'm telling you right now, if Jimenez does not deliver with an RBI single there, like let's say he pops out, flies out, lines out, whatever, mm-hmm. non double play out, Jose is pitch hitting for Ernie Clement in the next at bat. One hundred percent, I I agree with you one hundred percent, and that just makes that moment even bigger, because um, like I said, to be able to keep him on the bench and to to rely on some younger players on the team to deliver in big moments against a team like the Dodgers in L.A., mm-hmm. I mean, I, I can't say enough 
good things about this win for the Guardians. Like, it's only one in 162, don't get me wrong. But, like, we, we were kind of texting back and forth during this game. Like, man, a win in this game would be absolutely massive. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and to win it and not have to put Jose in late in the game to be the hero, um, it, it sends a message to the team. Like, no, you know, no matter who, you know, may come in and out of this lineup, like, we have the pieces here and the blueprint in place to beat good teams. Um, so that that was really, really a good thing to see. I'm glad that Jose got to stay on the bench, even though he was dying to get into the game. Yeah, I, I thought that he was gonna uh, find his way back into the uh, back into the game. Uh, you know, looking at you know his what he was able to do, <clears throat> you know, and what they were able to do without him. This was yeah. just huge. I mean, Jimenez coming through made it so Jose didn't have to play and possibly injure his thumb further than what he already it already is. Right. Then, you know, Ernie Clement hitting a sacrifice fly, which by the way, I did not think was deep enough at first. No, neither did I. <laughs> I'm like I'm like watching I'm like, that's not deep enough. Then Josh Naylor barely gets in, then some shenanigans almost happen. Well they did happen, but some some nonsense <laughs> almost happened where a run almost got taken off the board because of that. Uh I yeah. mean you know, we saw the broadcast complain about it, so, you know. It, it was what it was. We knew exactly what was happening. Um, the, the Dodgers had used their challenge earlier in the game, and that they lost, so they no longer had a challenge. So, miraculously, uh, it, it seemed like uh, one of the umpire referees decided that they were going to do a, uh, what they call it, an umpire review. It was it was like one of those uh, one of those bullshit like uh, reviews you see in like the NFL where it's like they had a conversation and it, yeah. but it wasn't a review. It, it seemed right. like they actually did have a review of some sort, but like it, luckily it, it it did not turn into anything. Uh, yeah, <laughs> if it would have went the other way, um, it would have been a talking point for sure. Um, but luckily for us, it didn't end up mattering. Um, you know, they scored the run, it stayed on the board. So, mm-hmm. uh, a good thing that it became a non-story. But uh, you know, you looked at some of the umpires on on the field at the time, and uh, shenanigans is kind of to be expected. I'll say. Yeah, and the the overarching theme I'm I'm looking at in terms of uh, Jose and the rest here is that you know you you look at the type of injury Jose has. It's a, it's an injury to his right thumb. If you remember a couple of years ago, he fractured the handmate bone in his right hand. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so I, I know thumb, handmate bone, not the same thing, but still it's in your hand. It's in that hand he has a previous injury with, mm-hmm. you know, you want to be careful with that because the, the guardians are a team that cannot afford to lose Jose Ramirez for any extended amount of time. Okay. No. It, even though they were able to, come out with a series win, win two or three here. But Saturday's performance showed you exactly, in my opinion, why Jose Ramirez is the MVP. You take him out of this lineup, this this is a team that's going to go 20 games below 500. Okay. Oh, um, yeah, 100%. 100%. Uh, con- conversely, you move Aaron Judge from the Yankees lineup, they're still a team that goes from 30 wins above 500 to 20. Yeah. <laughs> you know what fair. I mean? Yeah, that's so, fair. And so I look at it from that perspective. But... Keeping him, you know, on the shelf for two days, the off day Monday, I think that should be enough rest 
for his thumb, so it's not going to be bugging him anymore. Apparently, it's been bugging him for about 10 days or so. So three days off, I think that's going to be enough time for his hand to not be uh, an issue moving forward. Yeah, I I think keeping him off the field was the right thing to do. Uh, Even if we lost that game, uh, I still would have been okay with keeping him on the bench. Um, just because you don't want an injury like that to, to nag for the rest of the year. You know what I mean? And it sounds like you, without him getting some kind of rest, it was one of those things that just wasn't going to go away on its own. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's good that they got the off day tonight and that uh, he gets some time to heal up um, so that he can kind of move forward with some confidence because uh, that had to have been in the back of his mind, you know, every time stepping out onto the field. I mean, yeah, I mean it... – it's not that like Jose was uh, suddenly an unproductive batter. He was still a very, very productive, uh, you know, part of the Guardians lineup. But you know, there, eventually there's a there's a, a point where you can play through it and where it's it's no longer tolerable. And I think he he may have reached the point where it's no longer tolerable, right? Which is why we didn't have him for the final two games. And you know, yeah. and that's fine. And, and like you said, if, even if they would have lost the final two games. Um, I would have been fine with it from the perspective of looking at the the big picture. Yeah. Yeah, and you have to look at the big picture now. Um, earlier in the year, maybe not so much, but now, you know, we're, we're into the season now where we've played a significant amount of games, uh, and reaching the postseason is a very realistic goal. Uh, so now that that's a realistic goal that's in sight, they, they have to keep that at the forefront of their minds. Um, not, you know, we want to win this game tonight against the Dodgers. It's, you know, we want to be in position to be playing baseball in October. Yeah, that's what it's about. It's about getting to October and, and playing meaningful baseball. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I, I know, you know, the, the terms meaning, meaningful games in September and October, it's kind of like uh, it can be perceived as a joke sometimes. But, yeah. you know, for where – the Guardians were last year for what they entered this season with in terms of expectations. Mm-hmm. This is this is good progress. This is this is actually applicable in this scenario. A hundred percent, yeah, hundred um, percent. Definitely exceeding expectations and on the right path. So maintaining, you know, maintaining the game plan and, and sticking to the blueprint and. Uh, making the right choices when it comes to keeping guys off the field, even when they want to be on the field. Um, long-term, those decisions are going to you know, pay off. So it's important to remember that and be patient when you know, dealing with an issue like Jose had. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, now they go into a very, a very uh, pivotal series here in Minnesota. You Huge. Know, it, we're only one game back of the Twins mm-hmm. in the division. You know the Guardians have won six consecutive series. It, yep, and you can make that um, uh, sixteen and five over their their twenty last twenty one games. Mm-hmm. You know eight of their last ten. The the sixteen and five twenty one game mark predates their their streak of consecutive series one. By the way, that dates back to the Detroit series where they lost two or three. Oh, wow. So it, it, it's been a, an extended period of good baseball from the Guardians, which has allowed them to surge up the standings in the division. It, it allowed yeah. them to find to put themselves in a position to win this series and, you know, be, I don't know where, where it would be percentage-wise or 
how this would all sort out if we were to find ourselves at you know 36 and 29 and the the twins at 39 and 31 i don't i i'm i'm not i'm not that good at math to figure that out but you know uh two wins versus one loss yeah i think that whoever wins this series will be technically in first place no matter what because of the percentage wise it's it's something like that. We've we played yeah. the twins yet. We've played the twins already. We went one and two earlier in Minnesota. We have played what fifty two, or I'm sorry, sixty two games, and they've played sixty eight games. Yes. So you know they've got that few games in hand that kind of makes things funky. Uh, but yeah, you know we last time we talked about the twins, it was you know we expect a, a certain level of regression throughout the season. Um, a lot of the things we saw from them we didn't think was sustainable. Um, and, you know, we're seeing that, that run differential start to come back to earth. Uh, they're at plus 25 right now. Mm-hmm. The Guardians are actually at plus 35. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in six fewer games, they have a, a plus 10 advantage in run differential department. Um, so, yeah, the, the Guardians are trending upward. I wouldn't say that Minnesota is necessarily trending downward. It's just that they're kind of stagnating right now. They've been five and five in their last 10. Um, and that's been enough to give the guardians room to, you know, make some noise and come back in the standing. So yeah, this, this series is a lot bigger um, than any of us thought it was going to be when we looked at it earlier in the year. But um, here we are, you know, this could be one of the more important series of the season for the guardians and the twins both. It is, and for for me, if I feel like the twins have plateaued, honestly, yeah, that's a good word for it. They, I think they've plateaued because, again, I've never been a big believer in the twins. I never was a big believer in what they had going when they were, you know, considered good. I was just, I'm just like, this isn't, this isn't real. This isn't sustainable. Yep. You know, over a long period of time, you'll you'll have like your two years of relevance. They did, mm-hmm. and 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 then you know, back to the basement you go. I think this is this is very reminiscent of what we see every year, where there's a team that jumps out in front into the lead of a division, maybe hangs it around there till the end of June, early July, then just kind of fades. Yep, it, it happens every year. We always see it with one one team or another. Um, shit, we already saw it happen with the Angels this year. Mm-hmm. You know, they they got off to a really hot start. They were looking like a team that maybe was finally going to a. Uh, make the postseason and then make an actual run towards the World Series maybe and and they came back down to earth real quick um, so yeah when, when I saw that happen with the Angels it was like it, the Twins feel like they're on that same path you know what I mean it's it, just, they, they do they they just have taken longer to plateau um, but yeah I, I expect them to you know finish behind the Guardians in the standings I, I don't necessarily know where Chicago is going to go from here they're kind of a, a mystery right now in a, in a lot of ways with injuries and a number of other issues. But I, I never thought that the Twins were a better team than the Guardians going into the season, really. Yeah, I didn't either. I thought they were probably going to be third place, fourth place, probably, depending yep. on what the Tigers did. Uh, yep. Depending on you know what the Royals did. The Royals are apparently back to being the worst team in the Shit. division again. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> But, you know, you, you look at, you know, not just at this particular series, but, you know, the upcoming homestand for the, the Guardians as well. Very crucial stretch of baseball here. Because oh, yeah. after after the trip to Minnesota, it's Boston for three, Minnesota for five. Mm. Then the yeah, Yankees that's... for three for their, their yearly uh, trip to make uh, <clears throat> Cleveland into a, a Yankee game. Uh, I hate it. 
every year. L- luckily, I will I will be out of town for that game. So yeah, uh, <laughs> oh, I, I avoid those games in Cleveland like the plague. Uh, so I will not be uh, you know at home to watch or at uh, you know be able to uh, attend that game. But yeah, but uh, they're a behemoth right now. Like that, yeah. that's a series that you have to look at and go, okay, there's a very good chance we lose two or three of these games. Uh, so yeah, you you want to really make sure that you you capitalize on the amount of games that we have against the Twins right now. Yeah, we got um, eight games against the Twins. I would love, I would love, I would love six or seven, but I think five, five out of the eight is a is a reasonable request. I think. Yeah, five out of the eight that puts us back in front of them. Um, kind of gets things more to uh, where things are going to look long term in this division in terms of the rest of the season. Um, yeah, I'd be more than happy with with winning five, but yeah, you want to try to win six or seven because I fully anticipate the Yankees to give us a bunch of trouble. So, oh yeah, of course, you know it means it, one, it's the Yankees. Two, yeah. the Yankees are really good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we always struggle with the Yankees, uh, but this Yankees team is—they're built different. They're, they are a. I, I mean, this is, they're clearly the best Yankee team since the last time the Yankees won the World Series, in my opinion. Oh, they are. So. Hands down. Without, without a doubt, they are. Yeah. And, you know, so very important series against the Twins coming up. I, I do think they have a, a legitimate, a legitimate, one more time, a legitimate chance to uh, take care of some business against the Twins over the next, uh, this is almost two weeks of baseball. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we're, yeah. We're, it's we're going to become a, a Minnesota Twins podcast here for the next half of a month almost. Uh, yeah, with a with a little mini break talking about the Red Sox, but a lot of a lot of Twins and <laughs> a lot of Twins and, and Guardians talk here. I mean, I, I'm looking at the the pitching matchups here for this specific series. I don't want to jump ahead to the next one, but you know, even with the the struggles of uh, that, a couple of the guys that they're they're pretty out there. You know, Aaron Savali is slated to make his return on Tuesday. Zach Plesak is pitching on Thursday. I still feel more than comfortable that they're going to be able to give Cleveland a chance to win. Oh, yeah, especially after we saw what Plesak did against Kershaw. You know, mm-hmm. like it, he, he's not facing anybody like that. So, yeah, he's definitely going to give us a chance to win. Uh, don't really know what to expect from Savali yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was not good earlier in the year, so... Um, yeah, that that's the only question mark for me is what we're going to see from him. But yeah, I, I think that he gives us enough of a chance to beat the Twins for sure. Yeah, so you know, I, I look at you know Joe Ryan, the Twins starter, their first game. He gave up four runs, including two bombs to the the Mariners in his last start. And when you're giving up five runs to the the fucking Mariners, it, it, yeah, it, it, in 2022, that's not good. You know, no. Aaron Savali hasn't had his, a, a good run either. But Ryan is not someone who's untouchable. You know, he's had no. some runs but where he's been really good, but teams can get to him. Yeah, yeah. They, he has shown this year that teams can get to him. Um, he, he's part of the reason why the, the Twins were overachieving was, you know, let's be fair, he was overachieving as well. You know, he, his ERA is still only 2.81, mm-hmm. which is really, really good. Um, but, yeah, as of late, you know, he's been more of – the pitcher we expect Joe Ryan to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it, it, another good timing thing, I think, for Savali mm-hmm. facing Ryan. Um, mm-hmm. 
Whereas earlier in the season, it might not have been as good of a matchup. Yeah, and you know, you look at game two, Tristan McKenzie versus Sonny Gray. If we're talking a guy due for regression, it is Sonny Gray. 100%. It's getting warmer outside. The balls are the the juiced bullshit balls again. Yep. Sonny Gray uh, has only given up one run in his last 18 innings. Um, You know, five runs over his last 32 and a third. Yeah, okay. Is he even? This this is some this is some bullshit. Number one, Sonny Gray is not this good. I've no, seen enough not. of Sonny Gray in my time to know that this is not Sonny Gray. This is not real. Uh, regression is coming. Not correction. Regression. Correction is the nice way to say. It. Oh, just a little step back. Regression is he's going to get hit. He's going to get hit hard, and his ERA is going to balloon. Yeah, uh, I mean we see it all the time. So uh, I agree with you there. I think his ERA is going to shoot up like a balloon. And, you know, on the other side of things, Tristan McKenzie's been very good. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think that that's definitely really, really winnable matchup there. Um, so it, I think to win two or three is good. Mm-hmm. But, it, hell, it would be great to sweep this team. It, it would be great. And uh, the Twins starter on the, the final game, uh, Devin Smeltzer, is going to give the Guardians a great opportunity to do just that because this guy's given up seven home runs in the month of June, Ooh, uh, 11 boy. earned runs, 12 total, in just 14 and a third innings. Every other yeah. inning, he's given up a home run. Yeah, so he's out there throwing batting practice right now. So yeah. circle that one on the calendar. Uh, might be a good day to play the Guardians over. It, it, it could be. You know, uh, yeah. this is a guy who saw... Regression. Come. He was due for regression, first of all, and it happened. It came, yep. and it hit, it hit hard. So, yeah. very good chance, 4-2 of 3 against the Twins. Again, would love a sweep. 2 of 3 is acceptable, I guess. Uh, don't want to get too greedy. but uh, So, I think that's a very good spot for the Guardians to be in at this moment in time against a, 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 a Twins team that's just kind of plateauing. Plateauing is a very good word for it. Um, I, I think they have seen their highs already, uh, and I, I expect them to kind of just make a, a return to earth, if you will. A lot of those guys that you mentioned are going to regress. I mean, mm-hmm. we've seen it throughout their careers that when they get off starts like this, it doesn't last. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think that the Twins are a team that should finish somewhere in the middle of the, of the division. So we definitely should try to pounce on them and take advantage and, and win as many of these games against them as we can. I mean, I, it's hard to – you can't you can't disagree with that. I agree with you 100%. Right. And with that, I think that brings us uh, to, I think, my favorite section of this entire podcast, and that's trivia. Let's do that. We're, we're, oh, we're... Real, real quick, James, before we do do trivia, though, I think it's important to mention that if the postseason started today, the Guardians are in. Oh, that, I mean, that's that's very much important to say. Yeah, yeah, Guardians are in if the postseason starts today. So uh, it is, you know, we did our little Guardian State of the the Union last episode. Like, it, it, it only continues to get better for this team right now. So uh, before we moved into trivia, I did want to point that out uh, because it, teams are going to have to start taking this team seriously. They are. They are. 100%. But with that, I've got a great trivia question for you today. I'm ready. Um so if you are ready, I will go ahead and start us off today. All right, let's let's go. Okay, so I am going with a defensive record today. Uh, I think defensive 
stats are way way more difficult to uh keep track of <laughs> they are they're, <laughs> they're kind of obscure but you are the master of baseball trivia so i have to challenge you so i've got a good one for you today and it the the series in course field really made me think how important it is uh to have outfielders uh with good arms so uh the stat i am focusing on is putouts by an outfielder the single game major league record for putouts by an outfielder is 12. It's been done by three players. I am going to say we're going to eliminate two of them and we're going to narrow it down to your lifetime, James. Okay. It's only been done it's only been done once in your lifetime. Who is the center fielder, that's your hint. Okay. Who had 12 putouts in a 9-inning game? Which lasts to this day as the major league record for putouts in a nine-inning game. Ooh. Center fielder, your lifetime. Or shit, if you could name either of the other two, I I would accept that. There's been three people to ever do it. <laughs> they probably uh, did it like 1930, right? <laughs> uh, one was in 1977. Oh, okay. So 77, but the name is not not a household name. Okay. Okay. Um. This guy is a name that you know. Okay. 100, it's 100% a guy you know. Um, how much more of a hint do you need? Okay. I was just going to ask decade that it occurred in. That's fair. Okay. This happened between uh, the 01 and 2010 season. Okay. Because that it helps narrow things down a little bit. It also... Gives me a better idea of position uh, yes. of players because some guys start off in center, then they move over to right as time goes on. That's fair. That's um, fair. You know, and so... this guy was primarily a center fielder. He, he did play a couple uh, here and there. He played other positions, I think, throughout his career. But I think he played a majority of his career and ended his career as a center fielder. Oh, he ended his career as a center fielder? Let me double check that. I shouldn't have said that without looking. Okay. Let's see. Mm-hmm. Okay, I can't confirm that. You would you would know him as a center fielder though. Okay. Okay. Um, and I'm I'm gonna narrow it down further. I'm gonna say between 05 and 15. 05 and 15. Okay. Um. So obviously closer to 10. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna give you the league. He is an American leaguer. Okay. Um. Here, here's my guess. Uh, Tory Hunter. Good guess, but not oh. Tory Hunter. Uh, I will say the the person who did do it in 1977 played for the Twins. Uh, that was Lyman Bostock. He is one of the two American leaguers to ever have 12 in a single game. The other American leaguer, I'm going to give you the division now just to keep narrowing it down. Uh, they play in the AL East. AL East, and this happened from 05 to 15? Mm-hmm. Adam Jones? It is not Adam Jones. Jacoby Ellsbury. Boom, you got it. All right. Jacoby Ellsbury, there it is. You kept getting closer and closer. Jacoby Ellsbury, yeah, he did it. Uh, he had 12 putouts on May 20th in 2009. 
Okay. Um, and that remains to this day the major league record uh, for putouts by an outfielder in a nine-inning game. So uber, uber impressive numbers. Yeah, uh, for what it's worth, I was not thinking uh, Twins Tory Hunter. I was thinking Angels Tory Hunter. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, Lyman Bostock. Yeah, I, I knew you weren't going to get that yeah. one. Uh, who's the other one? Uh, Earl Clark. Uh, Earl Clark of the Boston. Yeah, they were the Red Sox at the time. 1929 Boston Red Sox. Okay, I thought you were about to give me one of those Boston Bean Eaters, Boston Braves, <laughs> no. Boston something no. or other. No, Earl Clark <laughs> it was the Boston Red Sox 1929, uh, May 10th. So May 10th and May 20th. <clears throat> All right. So here is your trivia question. Okay. And uh, we are playing the Minnesota Twins uh, this upcoming series. Mm-hmm. But they have not always had their roots in Minnesota. Where was the team founded? What was their name? And if you can give me within 10 years of the founding year. Okay. Hmm. I know part of this. Okay. So they began in Washington as the Senators. Okay. Yes, you do. Okay. So you have two of the three. (laughs) <laughs> okay, I, I know that they began as the Washington Senators, and I know that the name Twins obviously came from the Minneapolis-St. Paul connection. Yes. So that explains the name change. Mm-hmm. Uh, when did they move? How long has it been? How, when did they become founded as the, the Washington Senators? Oh, as the Senators. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Um, Washington Senators. Was it... I'm going to go 1900 to 1910. You were right on the dot. 1901. Oh, let's do it. 1901, the Washington the Senators were founded. I got to be completely honest. That part was a complete guess. I did know the name, though. Yeah, the, the yeah. Washington Senators. I know that there's been a lot of teams in Washington, though, so it is hard to keep them all straight. It, um, yeah. yeah, there's been multiple teams in Washington. They all They, they both left Washington. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and ultimately now they have the uh, Washington Nationals who they poached from mm-hmm. Canada, which, to be fair, Canada doesn't deserve multiple baseball teams. I mean, they, they poached the, the older of the two teams. Uh, which, they did? Oh, that's right, they did. Yeah, uh, the Expos yeah. were the, uh, the older team. Um, yeah. <clears throat> just curious, can you guess when they became twins? That would have been... Because you're on a hot streak here, let's... Uh... Uh, I'm going to say the 30s. Okay. That's where your hot streak ends. Um, <laughs> 1961 was their first oh, year in Minnesota. God, not even close. Yeah, that's why when you heard me say, uh-oh, it was because I thought you were going to ask me that part when they moved. Um, yeah, Washington Senators. That was a little easier because I knew they were old, old. And, and you know baseball started mm-hmm. around 1880, so you can go with one of those three decades from 1880 to 1910. But yeah, uh, a little bit of a dark history into the the decision to move the team. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the owner uh, did not like the uh, let's just call it the demographic of the Washington area. Oh, okay. One uh, of those. Uh, yeah, he he added the line. Uh, this is a direct quote from uh, the owner at the time. Mm-hmm. We came here because you've got good, hardworking white people here. That was the oh, the quote Christ. from the yeah. <laughs> oh 
I'm, I'm, I'm cleaning up and using what is usable to, <laughs> to say here. Uh, I, I mean, it's unfortunate, but I mean, that's part of the dark history of the game. You know, it I, is. for a long time, it, it, I mean, shit, the color barrier was not broken uh, until, you know, obviously with Jackie Robinson and all, that whole story. Like, it took way too long. It, it, it did. It, it did. So, it, yeah, it, it's not surprising when you hear these stories. Um, but it's still, it's just like, damn, this isn't that long ago. It's like, come on, people. A hundred years? Like, it, it doesn't seem like that long ago to me. Uh, it's just, it's hard to imagine society being that different. But Minneapolis is such a cool town today, though, and they're so diverse today. <laughs> so it, it's kind of ironic that, like, his idea was, oh, let's move it to Minneapolis, where it's primarily white. Yeah. Uh, but now they are a, a thriving, diverse Midwestern city mm-hmm. um, that has a, a, a multitude of diversity. So, yeah, that that's awesome. Yeah, so suck it, dead twins owner. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, suck it, dead twins owner. Um, <laughs> That, that's for sure. Um, yeah, that's funny. But I, I had no idea when the twins started in Minnesota. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so at then, I think they, I think they've now played more games in Minnesota than Washington now, or that's more, more seasons, more seasons. So oh one yeah, to sixty one, then or oh one to sixty, sixty one to yeah, more seasons in Minnesota now. Okay, so they're officially the Twins organization now. Yeah, but they're no longer known as the the Senators slash Twins. Um. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Which I think is ultimately a good thing, considering their history. Uh, yeah, so, anyways, I think that's a, it's a fun little note to go on, on uh, some fun trivia, some, some new information we learned about. and uh, This podcast is so much more fun when the Guardians are playing well. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah it as, it, it someone... makes our job real easy when you can just come in here and talk about all the good things. Uh, I, I expect it won't be smooth sailing for the rest of the year, so... Um, Enjoy it while it lasts, I'll say that, and uh, hopefully we just continue to go up from here. Listen, as, as someone who has, uh, I guess, uh, written and, and covered, uh, you know, the disastrous Freddie Kitchens era of the Browns, uh, mm-hmm. uh, it's a lot more fun to talk about a, a team that's winning, <laughs> and a team that's not dysfunctional, and 100%. the Guardians are winning, and they're not dysfunctional. Yeah, and you know what? It makes it more fun for the listeners, too. So I hope everybody that listens to the podcast is having a good time following the Guardians with us. Because, I mean, that's all we're doing with this podcast. It's just, you know, the two of us are friends that love this team, and we mm-hmm. cover the team and, and want to cover the team professionally. So, you know, we just we do it and let you guys listen. So it's it's been a lot of fun, um, and this episode was no different. Mm-hmm. And, and with that, just a reminder to like, comment, subscribe, rate five stars, share, tell your friends and family if you don't it's stealing. Guard in the Corner is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google, Podchaser, TuneIn, and ThisIsBelieveOne.com. And with that, go Guardians. Go Guardians. Go Guardians.